luxurious love His tracks take me to an oasis Of peace, the quiet brook of bliss That's where he restores and revives my life He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure And leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness So that I can bring honor to his name Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love 
pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Doug, and I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. Those of you that are here and those of you that will be watching this, you're about to experience God's goodness, God's grace, and God's power. We serve a good God, and He loves to do things among His people. So, Father, we just welcome you here this morning. We give you thanks and praise for the good things that you have planned for us. And, Lord, we just put our faith in you. We have the faith of God. And we give you thanks and praise for doing great mighty things in us, through us, and to us today. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Our God can restore us, redeem us. We have more lives than cats. <laughs> he can lift us up from the brink of the grave. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You 
was the catalyst, that was the conception of the virgin birth. That same spirit dwells inside of you and me. Come on. We have life starter in us. We have the life starter in us. All we have to do is give it the word. And he can bring it to life. Oh, we speak your life today, oh God. We speak the life of God in this place. We speak the resurrection power.
Father, I thank you right now that you are filling every empty vessel in the name of Jesus. Lord, you're not filling them to the brim, but you're filling them till they overflow. Till your glory, your goodness, your grace flows out of them. Oh Lord, you've anointed them with too much oil in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for overflowing in our lives and overflowing in this church and overflowing in our community in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want you to start praising God that you are full right now. Just begin to thank God that you're full. Thank God that you're full. Hallelujah. It's rising up with it. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He'll fill your mouth with good things. He fills your heart with His love. He fills your life with power. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, that you are here and you speak to your people. My presence is present with you. Allow me to come into your circumstance and your situation and your problem and watch how I will turn it around, how I will change it, how I will transform it. Hallelujah, for I am here for you. I'm ready to work in you. I'll take you to a higher place and a higher plane. And a land that flows with milk and honey. I've got good things in store for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you can, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Oh, hallelujah. It's a good day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many are excited about Jesus this morning? If you're not, just wait a minute. Right? Amen. Jesus is a good thing to get excited about. All right, were you guys ready to exercise your faith by speaking God's word? Yes. Let's make our confession of faith together. Our Our victory victory comes through faith in God and and obedience to his word. The Lord does marvelous things for us. And by, and by his, his right hand, hand and holy arm, we gain the victory. 
The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are thankful to Him. We overcome our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. As an overcomer, I partake of eternal life, and I'm rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and I have power over the nations. As an overcomer, I am clothed in pure white, and my name is written in the book of life. In all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loves us. We are persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their, Their benefits. benefits. Amen. Amen. I just want to testify real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think you guys had a good time last week. We Brother saw some Steve. of it. Brother Steve. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, but last week we were in Oklahoma for the graduation of these two beautiful girls. You want to wave to everybody? <laughs> two years. They've been at Raymond for two years already, so they did their two-year graduation, and they're each going to go on to a third year. Uh, They both have a different specialty. And I was asking their GPA, but I don't know if they got it. Did you find it? (laughs) But it's over 3.5, right? Yeah, it's over 3.5, which is pretty good. And the reason is, we're going to have a testimony of uh, Kelly. She doesn't know this yet. Her and I will go live on Facebook on the Blessed Your homepage. So if you're on Facebook, you want to go on the Blessed Your homepage and like it and ask for notifications. And I'll, I'll talk to her. I'll interview her about her story. But the bottom line is this. She was 10 years old when you came to the orphanage. She was 10 years old when she came to the orphanage. She had never gone a day to school. She had no idea what the number one was. Never heard ABC, not even the song. So she therefore did not know how to read or write. And she graduated from Rama with a, right? There's lots of books to read. <laughs> the whole Rama course is books to read and papers to write. And she was able to do that after learning how to read. I think you said you were 12. 12 years old when, she, when it clicked, when she finally figured out how to read. But one of her things that she did, she didn't know when it happened, it just happened. She would sit in the classroom because they put her in the class for her age. Imagine that, sitting in the class with other 12-year-olds and you don't know how to read. You have no idea what's going on. And she would write everything she saw on the walls in the classroom. She'd write it on paper and then start clicking. That's just one part of the testimony. 
And then, of course, you've heard some of Malika's story, which she preached about her story, which we will post on our, on our page as well. <laughs> well, it's public. <laughs> Raymond has it public, so we'll put it public too. But You, you, you have a Facebook caretaker. <laughs> but my point is, it doesn't matter what you think happened to you in your life. You have the potential, the opportunity, and the responsibility to move from here into your future. Amen? So that's why I said all that this morning as a testimony. Because, I mean, look at her. She graduated with all these other students who learned their ABCs at 4 and 5. She learned hers at 10 and it finally clicked at 12. Imagine that. (laughs) Amen. Well, I just want to make a few announcements. Uh, next Wednesday, we will not be having our Wednesday night refreshing service. Uh, our Gabriel's graduating, and so we're going to go celebrate that. And uh, next Saturday at 8.30 a.m., we have the men's uh, meeting, and uh, then we're going to have another celebration uh, later that day. So God is good. Amen? Hallelujah. I love uh, serving the Lord and uh, doing what He wants me to do. And I just want to encourage you this morning, uh, as we have the opportunity every time we meet, uh, to be able to sow seed into the kingdom of God. You know, God thinks of your money as a seed. And the potential in that seed is always to increase. (laughs) There's no such thing as a seed that decreases. You know, I planted 10 tomato seeds and I got nothing. No, seeds are always designed to increase. And through the seed, God guarantees increase. And the secret of increase in your life is in your seed. And, you know, we have a storehouse of seeds. The Bible says if you want friends, show yourself friendly. That's a seed. Right? When you put yourself out there, introduce yourself, and a friendship develops. Here's what God does when you plant your seed, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He said, God is able to make every grace overflow to you. How many want every grace overflowing? Right? So that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in good work. How many want to excel in good work? Right? So God's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things in all times, you have what you need so that you can abound to every good work. We serve a good God. Amen. And so those of you that are here, you can give any time during the service in uh, in that seed container or that seed container. Or if you're watching, you can give online. You can give through the card, through the bookstore. There's all kinds of ways. Amen. If you desire it, God will help you get it here. Amen. So Father, I just give you thanks and praise for every gift and every giver that sows into this family of God, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, that you bring supernatural increase, provision, and protection to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. And before I dismiss the kids, you know, our our tagline is inheriting God's promises. And we're not going to be dismissed yet, kids. Just in in, in, uh, receiving the benefits. How many know that you are beneficiaries? Of God's goodness. Well, this morning, we have someone with us who's a beneficiary 
of God's goodness. And we're going to have him come and testify. Mr. Mike Frenchek, would you come and share your story? You can give him a hand as he comes. Hallelujah. You're going to hear the goodness and the greatness of God. Amen. Uh, thank you very much. And I want to extend the congratulations again to the girls there. I'll tell you what, the time passed so quickly. I was telling Chris, it's only been a year. <laughs> I didn't realize it was two years. Fantastic, fantastic accomplishment. Well, how do you like the new look, folks? Huh? That's after like uh, three, four weeks in the hospital. And I often looked at this thought, I'm going to play with this a little bit. And I'm thinking, what's that dude who in some of the commercials who... Uh, uh, most interesting man in the world. He doesn't do this. He normally do this. But when I do, da da da. I don't know. I keep looking in the mirror and thinking about this, and I keep looking back. There's Gabby Hayes. It doesn't work. Ah, younger folks don't know that one, but I heard the, the Gabby Hayes, but it'll be coming off. But I want to thank this church family for your prayers. I mean, God, give me strength to help you through. Your prayers got me through this. The devil was pulling, pulling real hard. Things were going great, and he gave another tug. And your prayers came through, and the Lord came through uh, healing me. Uh, it was a long process, but people think, oh, healings can be instantaneous. No, not always. There's opportunities for, for growth for a lot of people in that. I've grown, let me tell you. But also, God's glory was shining through every, everybody down at the hospital who was taking care of me. That was obvious. That glory was shining in every one of them. You know? But uh, what a church family. This place has to grow. <laughs> it has to grow. You know? So, oh, Heavenly Father, bless these folks, all these fantastic prayer warriors, and bless this church for growth in the future. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, now, let's sing that for a moment. You all know this song. It's old. It's not the new amen. It's the old one. Okay? It goes, amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, sing it louder, amen, raise the roof, amen, 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 little Jesus, born on Christmas morn, came to save us, amen, amen. Suffer under Pilate, amen. Nailed to a tree, now come to save us and heal us too. Glory to God. All glory to God. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Live on the street. So I'm going to interview you. 
So, Mr. Mike, you were in the hospital for how long? 20 days. 20 days in the hospital. And how long were you in the ICU? He was in the ICU for probably about time. About a week. Eight days in the ICU. The expert. <laughs> she was tracking everything, let yes, me tell you. Eight days in the ICU. And the main reason was your breathing. Yeah. Tell us about your oxygen levels. Um, they were down. They were feeding me 100% oxygen to get me through this. I was that close to uh, doing the, you know, tubes and stuff. As a matter of fact, I remember in the fog uh, telling the doctor, why don't you just put the tubes down there and make me wake me up when it's over? You know? <laughs> And he says, he was either God or him saying this. Because like I said, I was in a fog. He says, that normally doesn't turn out well. <laughs> so they did an alternative thing. I went through the remdesivir treatments twice on this thing. Because things were improving. They expected me to to like five days. Then the devil pulled, pulled another one. And uh, it popped me down to the ICU for really intensive treatments. So when we heard that he was in the ICU, I thought to myself, you know, this could work out to his advantage because now he'll have one-on-one -on -one nurse care. Because when you're on the floor, you have like four patients for one nurse. I know how this stuff works. <laughs> so now you have one-on-one -on -one nurse care, but it was the wisdom of God for your doctors not to put the whole, you know, yeah. the thing on. <laughs> and um, you didn't eat for how long? It was like two days I had nothing to eat or drink. Yeah. So you had to build your strength back up? And you know, it's, God was doing that, not me. Were there any <laughs> nurses or doctors that you encountered that you knew were Christians that potentially were praying about this? Oh, yeah. I know the one main doctor I had for the longest time, he, he was Christian. So I'm yeah. sure they were praying about all yeah. this. But God always wins. Yeah. So our, our thing, every time we'd get a report, we would just reject and rebuke the spirit of fear and call in the healer to do mm -hmm. his thing. And that's how we prayed for you. So <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I want to thank everybody for that. Yeah, so God bless you. I know you were like, you're so excited. You didn't get to give all the details. I just wanted everybody to know what it was that he came out of. And um, these stories don't always end this way, but our story always will because we have we have the resurrection life of God in us. Amen. <laughs> You know, when you're pulled from the brink of death, it's a good thing to say amen. amen. Hallelujah. And you know, no matter what the circumstance looks like, never quit, never give up, never stop believing, never stop speaking the word. It works. And you've just seen a demonstration of that. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, kids, are you ready for your class this morning? We are so excited to have these wonderful kids with us. And if you're a kid that wants to join our Kids Life class today, they're going to go. We're going to dismiss them. Kids, have a great and wonderful class. Experience God and His goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I want to thank um, our sound team. 
you know, they uh, have stepped up and a lot of them are learning as they go. And we just appreciate them so much. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing or if you have a desire to learn, you know, we would love to teach you and to train you and so that you can do that as well. And for those that uh, take care of our uh, grass and everything, we appreciate that very much. And also, too, if you, if you like cutting grass, uh, we can also uh, use your help as well. And uh, for all of our volunteers that work in every area, you know, if I sit here and name everything, I, I might leave out one, but we appreciate you all. You know, it, it takes more than one person to make a church work. Amen? And a church is a family. And uh, every family member has a part to play. And uh, we just appreciate this church family. And we're so grateful. Father, um, Mike and Chris, come up here for a minute. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, it, it, God knows how to put things together. And uh, I need someone to get behind them. I'm just gonna, we're just going to pray for you. Father, I just give you thanks and praise. Lord, that you anoint them with fresh oil today in the name of Jesus, a fresh impartation of your strength and a fresh working of your grace, Father, just to flow from head to toe. And I thank you, Lord, that you restore and recover everything that the devil tried to take in the name of Jesus. He was unsuccessful, and he has been found out, Lord. And I, I call a sevenfold return in the name of Jesus. And I give you thanks and praise that your glory is going to shine on them. Your presence is going to be in them mightily in Jesus' name. Lord, just touch them with your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 10. And uh, when the Lord gave me this message, I didn't realize that this was going to be Pentecost Sunday. Fifty days after the resurrection... Is Pentecost Sunday. You know what happened on Pentecost? God lit up his church with some fire. Amen? Fire came from heaven and, and made you shine bright. And uh, so today I want to talk to you about anointed of God. We are anointed of God. And God, the anointing of God is a combination of things that you're going to learn about in just a minute. But it is a tool that every believer needs to understand and operate in. It's an all-purpose tool. It can loose any nut. Right? It can do any job. It's very versatile. And uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34... This was the first time that Gentiles encountered the Holy Spirit just like they did in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it was 120 Jews. But this is the first time that God is exposing his, his wonderful counselor, helper, mighty God to the Gentiles. And they're going to experience the same 
uh, thing that, they, that the Jews experienced in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 34, Peter is preaching. He was asked to follow these men and ask no questions. You know how God, God works by faith. A couple guys show up where Peter was staying and God, he was, in, he was on the rooftop. He was having some prayer time. Right? And the Holy Spirit began to speak to him and said, I want you to go with those guys, ask no questions. Okay? Right? And so he's right in the middle of his message at Cornelius' house. Peter opened up, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. This is God, this is the Bible's answer to racism. God is no respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of faith. Amen? I mean, after all, God loved the world. Every diverse person in the world, he sent his only son. He gave his only son as the greatest gift, amen, to the world. Right? So this is God's answer to racism. He's not partial to to different people groups. But notice what he said. But in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. You know, God does enjoy those who participate with him. Amen? Who follow him, who accept him. Verse 36, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism with John, with John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, I want to say that again. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who went with the Holy Ghost and with power. So the anointing consists of two things. Holy Ghost and power. That is the anointing. And... He went, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Can you say amen? Amen. So God's standard is in every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Those people that fear him and uh, participate with his plan, he is with them. Say God is with me. Amen? Hallelujah. And he came and he preached peace. You know, peace means nothing out of place. How many know that the peace of God, it just, it just doesn't mean calm in a storm. It means that nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. And we have a gospel of peace that is preached to everyone. You can experience the peace of God. Yes, it will calm you in the storm. Yes, it will fix your broken body. Yes, it will calm your crazy mind. Not saying that you have a crazy mind, understand. But I want you to notice that 
It is God who anointed Jesus. Everything Jesus did from the moment he was baptized by John. Oh, yes, we better go to Matthew chapter 3. I want you to look at this. This is when Jesus was anointed. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And now I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but that's Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. Anybody who is in Christ gets what he has. So you're going to know that you're anointed too. Amen? The anointing is not just for Jesus. It's for all of us. Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him, to be immersed. You know, God wants to immerse you in his goodness. He wants to just take his goodness and spread it on you like shaving cream on a beard. Like pudding in a Bavarian cream donut. John tried to prevent him, saying, it is I who need to be baptized of you. And do you come to me? But Jesus replied to him, permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. I'm reading from the Amplified, by the way. Then John permitted him, and after Jesus was baptized, everybody say after. Notice what happened. He came up immediately out of the water. And behold, the heavens were open. God was about to dump something on Jesus. He was about to pour out something on Jesus. Okay, notice. The heavens were open and John saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove. He's gentle, but he packs a wallop. He lands on you gently, but he's full of power. Okay? So John saw the Spirit of God descending. God is the one who anoints. God is anointing his son. Okay? And as a dove lighting on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and well denied. Not only did he have something poured out on him, but God said something about it. God validated Jesus as one in whom he is pleased. If God is pleased, what does that mean? Jesus lived by faith. Jesus walked by faith. Because what's the only thing that pleases God? Faith. Amen? All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 10. Okay? Hallelujah. Everything Jesus did, wherever he went, he did as a man anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power. Whether he raised people from the dead, he did it by the anointing. When he healed uh, people who were lame, he did it by the anointing. When he restored sight to the blind, he did it through the anointing. When he restored a withered hand, he did it through the anointing. When they couldn't kill him, although they tried, he did it through the anointing. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus worked, he did it through the anointing that came from his Father. That's how powerful the anointing is. God anointed Jesus 
of Nazareth with two things, with the Holy Spirit and power. Everybody say, Holy Spirit and power. If you put an and there, that's two things that work together. Not, you, you, you don't just get the Holy Spirit, but you get power too. Amen? The Holy Spirit is God's powerhouse. Alright? So God anoints you, and then he hangs with the anointing. The Bible says God was with him. And what did Jesus do with the anointing? He went about doing good. Everybody say good. The anointing is power to do good. If you try to do something bad, the anointing will not help you. If you try to do something against God, the anointing will not help you. The anointing only helps you to do good things. Amen? Jesus took that anointing and he went about doing good. What was the good that he did? Healing. How many did he heal? All who were what? Oppressed of the devil. That tells me the anointing is greater than the devil. No matter what the devil tries to do, the anointing is greater. The anointing is stronger. The anointing is more powerful than the devil. The anointing is made up of the Holy Spirit and power. Two ingredients combined together make an explosive force for God. Hallelujah. So, the anointing, and what he went about doing, he went about healing. The anointing restores health to someone who's sick. Amen? So if you're sick, you can call upon the anointing. Amen? It heals sick people. It changes things. All right? So what was the power that Jesus had? It was dynamite power, explosive power. The word is really dunamis in the Greek, right? It's power to achieve by applying the Lord's abilities. Power to achieve by applying the Lord's ability. You know, when you come against a problem in life or a challenge in life, you don't have to handle it with your own wisdom or your own strength. You can apply the Lord's ability to the problem and his power will overcome and override what you're going through. You weren't meant to camp in camp problem. You were meant to camp in camp victory. Does that mean you're never going to experience No. Our problems that we are experiencing, we're just passing through. We're not there to set up camp. We're not there to magnify the problem because we know that we have a solution. But you know, you have to have faith and patience. Everybody say faith. And patience. See, if you're encountering a problem and the devil will pressure you to become impatient, if you get impatient, you lose faith. So you just got to let God work. All right? So he, he had explosive power. And Peter was one of the eyewitnesses that saw the anointing work. He's a, he's a, he could be an expert testimony or an expert witness of the anointing because he saw it work firsthand. Peter had visible, he was there when he saw, when he heard what Jesus said and he saw what Jesus did. Right? And then what does it mean to be anointed? 
I'm so glad you asked that question. It means rubbing or pouring olive oil on someone to represent the flow or empowering of the Holy Spirit. So to be anointed means God smears you with his stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been smeared. Oh, yeah, it's a great smear campaign. He rubs his power on you. Amen. He, he rubs it on you. He rubs it over you. Praise God. That's what it means to be anointed. It has to, in, it has to permeate every fiber of your being. It's both on the outside and the inside. That's what it means to be anointed. It means to present someone as authorized or appointed by God. Those whom God calls, he equips, he appoints, and he anoints. God will never ask you to do something without anointing you to be able to do it. Every one of us have been anointed by God to do the assignment that he's called us to do. So what do we know? The anointing acts, activates authority. Jesus took the anointing and he exercised authority over sickness. He exercised authority over the devil. He, exer he exercised authority over oppression. He took that anointing and used it. Anointing activates authority. When you have the anointing, you are authorized. There's a new sheriff in town. The anointing authorizes action. Jesus went and did. He went and did good. He acted. He took the anointing. He just didn't put it on the shelf. He took it with him wherever he went. Right? The anointing authorizes action. Right? When you got the anointing, you can't be a law, you can't just be a dead law of doing nothing. God didn't anoint you to do nothing. You don't need an anointing to do nothing. Oh, you don't need an anointing to do anything. The anointing announces your position or title. God anoints you for this. Jesus said, I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm anointed to bind up wounds. I'm anointed to set captives free. I'm anointed to preach the year of Jubilee. He was anointed for what he did. And you're anointed for what you do. Hallelujah. The anointing announces your position or office. The anointing ascribes consecration to you. It, when, you're, when God anoints you, he sets you apart for a divine purpose. He prepares you. John the Baptist was an anointed to be a forerunner. He was simply there to let the world know that Jesus is coming. You know, John was only six months older than Jesus. And John's ministry was very short. But he was anointed, right? I'll tell you what, John was anointed to confront religion. I remember back when I, I went to Raymond, I attended Grace Fellowship. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but I remember Bob Yandian said John the Baptist was a slap in the face to religion. 
I tell you what, you need an anointing to wake people from the dead. When, you're, when, you're, when you have a religious mindset, you're dead. Jesus did not come to establish a religion. He, he came to get you into a relationship. There's a difference. So the anointing consecrates you. It's spiritual preparation and impartation and a grace deposit. How many has ever put a coin into a vending machine of any sort, right? You can hear that coin drop. You've anointed that vending machine. In other words, you made a deposit to get something out of it. God deposited his anointing in you so that he could get something out of you to help someone else. Amen? The the anointing was meant to share. You can't be selfish with the anointing. You've got to share it. The anointing is always accompanied by the Holy Spirit. He's a primary ingredient. You can't be anointed without him. Matter of fact, all the oil that was ever poured out in the Bible represented the Holy Spirit coming on people. The anointing addresses yokes and burdens. I'm going to get to that in just a second. To destroy them and remove them. Stop here. Go to Isaiah 10 for just a minute. Isaiah 10. We'll come back to Acts uh, 10. But go to Isaiah 10, 27. And I want you to see something here. So, the anointing addresses yokes and removes burdens to destroy them. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is a wooden instrument that they would put two animals together. Because one animal can do a certain amount, but two can do a greater amount, right? And if you wanted to plow a field, they would yoke two animals together. You know when you're yoked together, the two animals can't go in separate directions. They've got to go in the same direction. And when you've got a yoke on you from the devil, he's, trying, he's getting you in the direction to go against God. But the anointing comes along and destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Notice what it says. Isaiah 10.27 And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That's King James. Notice that the yoke will be destroyed. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, my yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is light. If you have a heavy burden, that's not from God. That's not from the Lord. All right? Notice what the New Living Translation says. In that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. And the anointing was designed to make people free from any and all bondage. There's not a chain that the anointing can't break. There's not a prison door that the anointing can't open. There's not a stronghold that the anointing can't break into pieces. There's not an enemy that can come against the anointing and defeat it. Hallelujah. That's how powerful the anointing is. It will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. You can't be enslaved when the anointing comes. The anointing is a liberator. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. So, when you're anointed, it means that you are divinely appointed. You are commissioned and accredited to do what God has assigned you to do and called you to be. We have an assignment from God to do something, but we also have an assignment from God to live a certain way. It's called the way of righteousness. Amen? And how we live, it affects the anointing, positive or negative. Alright? Now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now we're going to see that not only is Jesus anointed, but you are too. Say, I'm anointed. Say, God anointed me. Aren't you glad that God looked down from heaven and called you to be his, and he anointed you. Amen? When you answered the call, his anointing came on you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Let me get to Second Corinthians. Alright. For all the promises of God, notice, in him. Where? In Him. What does it mean to be in Him? It means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is your Lord and Savior. It's not enough to just know Jesus as Savior. You've got to know Him as Lord. Save you, his, when He saves you, He delivers you from hell. But when He's Lord, He leads your life. Some people are saved, but they don't let the Lord lead their life. Oh, you didn't know that some people can say no to God? Absolutely. He gives, he gives us a choice. I've said before you, life or death, blessing or the curse, I would that you choose life, but I'm not going to make the choice for you. It's your choice. Okay? So, all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. Now he, talking about God, which established us with you in Christ, has anointed us in God. Say, I'm anointed by God. I have the Holy Spirit and His power that comes from God. It's operating in me. It's working in me. It's working through me. Hallelujah. God anointed us. Just like He anointed Jesus. The same anointing, the same power. It's not different power. It's not the different anointing. It's the same that Jesus has. It's not like he gave us a different Holy Ghost. He established us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Not going to, already has. Past tense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The minute Jesus rose from the dead, every promise was available to every believer. There wasn't one promise that God withholds. He doesn't withhold his promises. If you believe a promise, it'll happen in your life. Verse 22, who who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The earnest of the Spirit, that's the down payment, that's the guarantee. 
Imagine what we can do with the guarantee. Wait till we get the whole, the full thing. When are we get, the, when are we get to get, get the full thing? When Jesus comes back again. This corruption is going to put on incorruption in the twinkling of an eye. I'm going to be changed. And I'm going to be just like Jesus when he rose from the dead. I'm going to be able to travel through walls. I'm going to be able to walk through doors. And I can still eat and not gain weight. Praise God. You never, I never heard Jesus say, how many calories are in that fish, Peter? Not when he rose from the dead. He said, give me another piece of that bread. He had a glorified body. He was flesh and bone. And the Bible says we're going to be like him. That's when we get the full payment. Imagine what we do with the down payment. Oh, my goodness. Moreover, verse 23, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet to Corinth. Well, the point is, we're sealed with the same Holy Spirit. Sealed is anointed. If you're sealed, you're anointed. Why has he got to seal us? Because he's got to close up the cracks. He doesn't want the anointing to leak out. Amen? He wants the, the anointing to go out on purpose, for a purpose. So God establishes and confirms us in fellowship in Christ. He's anointed us with his power and his spiritual gifts. Aren't you glad? Amen? Jesus even said it. He said, the things that I do, you will do also because I go to my Father and greater things shall you do. You mean we're going to do greater things than Jesus? Jesus... When he walked this earth, he was in a location of Israel. He didn't travel to other countries. But now we can go to other countries. You can touch a nation from your living room. You can do a meeting on Zoom and touch the world with the gospel. We could reach more people than Jesus reached. That's, that's the greater scope that we can do, the greater things. Amen? But notice Jesus himself said, the things that I do, you can do. What did he tell believers in Mark 16? Everybody, raise your hands for a minute. He told every believer that you could lay hands on the sick and they shall go. All you got to do is touch something sick and the anointing in you will drive the sickness out. He didn't even say, lay your hands on the place. He said, put your hand on it. That's all he said. Every believer can lay hands on the sick. And what, what does it say? They shall recover. Why? Because the anointing of the believer is working. The anointing is transferable. It can go from one person to another person. Right? God didn't just anoint one king, did he? Every king that was called of God was anointed by God. Right? He anointed kings and prophets. First Kings 19.15 Elijah was having a pity party. You know, when, God, when you have a pity party, God doesn't show up, but he asks you, what are you doing? Right? He doesn't join your pity party, but he gets you out of it. So uh, Elijah was having this pity party because he got a letter from Jezebel saying that she was going to kill him. 
which, I mean, she did have a reputation. She did kill people. She wasn't a nice woman. All right, but 1 Kings 19, 15. The Lord said to him, talking to Elijah, he was in the cave after he heard the still small voice. He said, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel as king over Aram or Syria. You shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, as a prophet in your place. What, did, what was Elijah instructed to do? He was instructed to anoint two kings and a prophet. Why? Elisha was now called to be a prophet in Elijah's stead, and you can't fulfill the call without the anointing of God. If you try to fulfill your call without the anointing, you know what that's called? Dead works. It's called trying to do what God wants you to do in your own strength, in your own wisdom, and in your own power. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And even in, in the, the days of Moses, right? He anointed the tabernacle. He anointed the utensils. He anointed the altar, and he anointed the priests, didn't he? What was the tabernacle? It was a place of worship. God told him to build it. Whatever God tells you to build, you can anoint. Amen? He anointed the tabernacle, the tent. He anointed the utensils, the menorah, the table for the showbread, right? The Ark of the Covenant. All the altars, the labor, everything was anointed. Why? It was set aside for God's purpose, for God's work, for God's worship. God is into the anointing. And we need to be into the anointing too. Because the anointing needs to be in us. It needs to be in us and on us. Amen? When you leave today, you want to leave so chock full of the anointing that the devil runs when he sees you coming. Oh no, there comes that anointed bunch from VCF. I'm in trouble. Why? The anointing destroys yokes. It removes burdens. So when the enemy tries to put a yoke on someone, and he does, he tries to yoke you to sickness. He tries to yoke you to poverty. He tries to yoke you to death. He tries to yoke you to, to depression. And then the anointing comes along and breaks the yoke. And now you're free from its control. Amen? That's what the anointing does. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. God hangs out with those whom he anoints. Amen? He loves the anointing. That's why he wants to spread it around. And we know that Jesus was anointed. He said it himself. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Verse 418. 
it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And we know that the Spirit of God came on him, don't we, from, the, from his baptism. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, his, not, his intention is not to leave. But we're going to hear about a person whom the Holy Spirit left in just a moment. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has what? Anointed me to preach. My goodness, if you get in the pulpit, you've got to preach with the anointing. Otherwise, you're just speaking dead words. The anointing gives life to your words. As long as you're speaking God's words. I didn't come here today to give you my opinion. I came here to give you the word of God. If you've been coming here for a long time, you know that to be true. For 19 years, twice a week, I preach the word. Amen? I love the word. I'm a word. I'm a Bible junkie. I'm a word addict. To preach good news to the poor, he has sent me. Notice, those whom God sends, he anoints. He doesn't just send you without power. Amen? He supplies you with the power you need to do the work wherever you're called to do. When God sent us to Palmyra, he sent us and then he anointed us to be in Palmyra. We had no connection to Palmyra. I didn't know any, I didn't even know Palmyra exists except one time when uh, my parents were visiting and we were living in Ephrata, we drove through this area. And I got lost because I didn't have a GPS at that time. And we're like, oh, this is such a lovely place. We should live here one time. And God said, yeah, yeah, I hear that. And here we are, 19 years later. Just because we're taking a drive and we said some words and God acts on it. And you know how I heard about this place? I happened to be in the right place at the right time because I did something that God told me to do. And that was to serve. I started to serve the worship center and their Bible school. At that time they had a Bible school that met at night. I was working at a bank. And because they had their Bible school at night, I could serve. So I set up tables. I duplicated tapes, right? I was just there. I told the director, who at that time was Cliff Martin, who happened to be the interim pastor here. But he didn't want to be the full-time. He didn't want to be the pastor forever. He was just filling in. You know, we didn't know all that at the time, but I just said, Cliff, I I graduated from Rhema, and I just want to serve. If there's anything, anything that you don't want to do, I'll do. That's how I approached him. So I started setting up tables, getting rooms ready, duplicating tapes. Then I got to fill in because there was an instructor was sick. So I got to teach their one class. Then they asked me to teach a course. Then they asked me to be part of the team to restructure their Bible school. And it was in one of those meetings that I heard about this church. See, when God prompts your heart to serve, you better take advantage of it because he's got something else on his mind. If I had not been willing to serve, I would have missed God's instruction. I would have missed what he was saying to me. But thank God I didn't. Amen? I'm glad to be here at VCF. So, he was sent to announce release to the captives. See? When you have the power, you can make a good announcement. I heard this the other day. How many has ever heard of John Whitfield? 
He was of the first great awakening early on in the 1700s. Benjamin Franklin heard about his preaching and he wanted to see for himself how far away he could hear John Whitfield. This is before the microphone, before the amplifier, right? And Benjamin Franklin would pace and he got a mile away and he could still hear John Whitfield preach. Seriously, that, that is a fact. Why? When you have the anointing, God will be your amplifier. Amen? Yeah, Benjamin Franklin, he was a scientist. I mean, he put the kite up and found electricity, right? But he, 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 he proved that. Amen? Oh, I'll tell you what, there's so many good things you can do with the anointing. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. You know, another aspect of the anointing is the aspect of joy. The anointing brings joy, you know, because it brings life. It brings help. How many has ever been in trouble but when help arrived, you know, it, it brings you, it puts a glad feeling in you, right? Hebrews chapter 1. Hallelujah. Look at this. I should say, you got your shouting clothes on? That was a... Verse 9, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. You have loved righteousness. How many love righteousness? And hate iniquity. Therefore God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. Hallelujah. You can be anointed for joy. He anoints you with the oil of gladness. Anybody need an oil change today? An oil of gladness turns your frown upside down. You know what you get when your frown's upside down? It becomes a smile. Did you know that a smile increases face value? When you see someone without a smile, give them one of yours. It'll make their day. Amen? The oil, of, there's a, an anointing of an oil of joy. God will smear his anointing on you, and all of a sudden, joy will explode out of you. If you've been here long enough, too, you've seen that, too. You know, joy is a real thing. Actually, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about joy. And, and the devil works overtime to try to steal your joy. But you know what? He didn't give it to you. It, Jesus is your joy. So if the devil tries to steal it, you're like, I got a source that you can't even touch. I would add the word sucker, but I'm just talking to the devil. I got a source that you can't touch, sucker. Say, ain't, say no joy sucker is going to steal my joy. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Glory to God. What was Jesus? He was anointed. Who, what are you? You're anointed. Amen? You're anointed for a purpose. Psalm 45, verse 7. Here it says again, You love righteousness and hate wickedness, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. That's the saying what Hebrews said. So guess what? Old Testament, New Testament. Amen? Say, I'm anointed for joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. All right? 
Let me tell you some things that the anointing adds to. The anointing is not going to take away from your life. It's going to add to your life. All right? Go to Psalm 1850. Psalm 18, verse 50. Notice it says this. He gives great triumphs to his king and shows steadfast love and mercy to his anointed. So what what does anointing add to you? It adds to you strength. It adds to you victory. It adds to you uh, steadfast love and mercy. Right? That's what it adds to you. Go to Psalm 28. Psalm 28. Well, stop by Psalm 23 on the way. Listen to this. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm telling you, God wants you to focus on his stuff more than the enemy's stuff. He will set up a table before you in the presence of your enemy. God say, look, what I got for you is greater than what he's got for you. Don't focus on him. Focus on this table. What's on the table? New wine, living water, meat, sweets, all kinds of good things. He sets up a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God is saying, don't worry about him. Focus on me. I got him covered. I'll take care of him. You just focus on me. Right? You anoint my head with oil, and my cup, what? Runs over. I'm telling you, God will give so much oil in your life, you can't even contain it. You were designed to overflow. You were designed to have more than enough. Amen? Is your cup overflowing? If it's not, it can be today. He anoints your head, and this cup runs over. All right, go to Psalm 28. Psalm 28, hallelujah. Look at verse 8. Psalm 28, 8. The Lord is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. So the anointing makes you strong. Hallelujah. The anointing adds strength to your weakness. What does the Bible say if you're weak? Let the weak say what? Isn't it interesting that when we feel weak, we're supposed to declare that we're strong. Why? Because God gives us his strength. When you're anointed, you're strong. Well, I don't feel like it. The anointing is not based on feelings. It's based on faith. It's based on God. Who gives you the anointing? It's God who gives you the anointing. Your feelings don't give you the anointing. Just because you've got goosebumps doesn't mean you're anointed. You know, you can be anointed without goosebumps. You can be anointed and not feel a thing. I prayed for many people many times. I didn't feel a thing, but they felt it. That's the anointing. It's not based on how many goosebumps you have. Oh, well, well they prayed for me and I fell out. It doesn't matter if you fall out. That doesn't mean you're anointed. Amen? You're anointed when you're strong because it increases strength. Go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. 
This is powerful. Are you learning something about the anointing today? Verse 10, Psalm 92, verse 10. But my horn shall you exalt like the horn of a unicorn or the wild ox. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Someone need an oil change today? God's got some fresh oil for you today. Amen? A fresh anointing. Whoo! God's a creator. I baked some fresh... You know, in order for them to make the anointing oil back in the Old Testament, it had to have certain ingredients. It had to be pure this and pure that. It couldn't be mixed... The Lord gave them the, the recipe for the anointing oil. It had to be made according to His standards, right? And, but there's fresh oil for you today. If you've been struggling, I'm telling you, you can get some fresh oil. Fresh oil is like fresh baked bread when you walk into that kitchen. And that aroma of that bread that's been baking in the oven, it captures the atmosphere. And you, oh, have you been baking bread today? It sure smells good. Amen? The anointing, fresh anointing. I'll tell you what, God likes things fresh. There's nothing stale about God. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Look what the anointing did. Look at how it added to this individual. Look at verse 20. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. David was anointed. Did you know that you can be anointed to whoop giants? You can be anointed to play music? You can be anointed to serve in whatever capacity the Lord has for you. With whom my hand, verse 21, shall be established. Notice, he establishes his hand with his anointed. My arm also shall strengthen him. There we go, it's increasing strength again. Verse 22, the enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. The anointing is enemy resistant. It resists enemies. The anointing, um, the enemy can't find, he can't get through the anointing. When Israel was called to come out of Egypt, what did God tell them to do? Anoint the doorposts with blood. To anoint is to apply. They applied that blood. The death angel could not come in that house when the blood was applied. Same thing here. When the death, death, death angel saw the blood on that home, that he could not come in. He was prevented. Why? Because that anointing made a barrier from the enemy to your house. And when the enemy sees your house is anointed, he can't come in. He can't do his work. He can't steal, kill, or destroy. He's prevented from doing it. Because of the anointing. Verse 23. I will beat down his foes. I'm telling you, the anointing is a foe whooper. He will beat down your foes. You mess with me, you mess with the anointing, and you're done. <laughs> Before his face, and plague them that hate him. 
I'm telling you, the anointing is like a, a wall and a rubber ball. The enemy tries to put a curse on you, but when you're anointed, it bounces back on him. Amen? You ever throw a rubber ball against a wall, it comes right back at you. That's what happens when you're anointed. The enemy throws a, a fiery dart at you, and it goes right back at him. Hallelujah. The anointing destroys the yoke. It removes the burden. Verse 24, my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Faithfulness and mercy are with the anointed. And in my name shall my, his horn be exalted. That, your horn represents authority. Now there was a man in the Bible. Actually, go to Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. I want you to see this. I, I recalled three people, well, two people and an angel that lost their anointing. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a dirge, or a funeral poem, to be sung for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You had the, the full measure of perfection, and the finishing touch of completeness, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, topaz, diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis, the lazula, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and your sockets was in you. They were prepared on the, the day that you were created. Notice verse 14. You were... Everybody say were. The anointed cherub. Who covers and protects. He doesn't cover and protect anymore. He aggravates and steals. What happened? He lost his anointing. Who was he talking about? He's talking about the devil. Who was an angel. He was an anointed cherub. But he's not an anointed cherub anymore, is he? He got kicked out of heaven. He lost it. Now he's called the destroyer. He's called the father of lies. He's called the prince of flies. If you hang out with lies and flies, you're, you're not in good company. Flies are disgusting. Amen? And another man in the Bible that lost his anointing was Samson. His anointing was his strength. His strength was in his hair. He was told never to cut his hair. Now, he lost it, but guess what? He repented and got it back. Right? But I want to focus on one more person today as we close. His name was Saul. And even though Saul was anointed as king, he had a pattern in his life of yielding to peer pressure of people. And because he yielded to peer pressure of people, he often made the wrong decisions against God, not for God. You could look at 1 Samuel 13, when Saul sacrificed without Samuel, he got in trouble then, right? It was then that God said, God's going to make your neighbor king. But let's go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15 And then we're going to close. 
with this story. Say, I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed with joy. I'm anointed with strength. I'm anointed with power. God anointed me. You know what? He anointed you. He didn't even charge you for it. He gave it to you free. It's included in the package, by the way. Jesus paid for the ultimate vacation package, right? Called salvation. And he paid it all, and it's all included. Right? It's like the guy who got on a cruise ship, and he was eating crackers and cheese until his crackers and cheese ran out. And he was starving, he was hungry, and he didn't know that, the, that his ticket included the access to the buffet. And he was trying to live on his own means, but he, he, when he found out that his ticket included access to the buffet, he, he was able to uh, regain his strength and overcome his hunger. Amen? Everything that Jesus, everything that God gave to you is included in Jesus. Amen? So 1 Samuel 15, 1, I'm, I'm just going to give you an overview. We're not going to read all this. Uh, Samuel said to Saul uh, that the Lord sent me to anoint you to, king over, to be king over his people Israel. Now listen and pay close attention. I want you to go kill all the Amalekites. The Amalekites mistreated Israel. They sowed a seed of mistreatment years ago. Now God was dealing with it. How many know you've got to be careful the seeds you sow? Because the harvest will come back on you. So, Saul was assigned to kill all the Amalekites, all the sheep, all the cattle, all the goats, everything. Wipe them out. Alright? Not going to go into it. All, and then, um, uh, so uh, we know the story. Saul went and he killed some of them, right? But uh, look at verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I made Saul king, for he has turned away from following me. He has turned away from following me and has not carried out my commands. Samuel was angry over Saul's failure and he cried to the Lord all night. Verse 12, when Samuel uh, got up in the morning to meet Saul, he was told Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up for himself a monument. He was celebrating his disobedience. Have you ever done something against God's will? And you celebrate your disobedience? Let's have a party of, let's celebrate my disobedience. I'm going to invite you to a disobedient party. This is what Saul was doing. Because he did not kill everyone. He kept the king. He kept the best sheep. Kept the best cattle, right? Because of peer pressure. Okay? So, uh, and then, you know, Samuel went down there and said, you know, Saul said, I did everything the Lord told me to do, right? And then Samuel said, well, that's funny. What's this bleeding of sheep I hear? He was supposed to kill the people and the sheep. This is what God said to him, okay? And uh, so look at verse 24, right? Uh, well, verse 23 says he rejected the word of the Lord and God rejected him as king. Verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Whoa. All right? And now he's, he's, 
He's like, okay, well, please pardon me. But this was not the first time that Saul disobeyed. This was a pattern in his life. Okay? Go to 1 Samuel 16, 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I want you to see, as soon as someone was anointed in its place, the anointing that was on Saul left him. And what was left in its place was a tormenting spirit, a demonic spirit. When the anointing is lost or removed, an evil, evil spirit fills the gap. And there is torment in its place of blessing, turmoil in the place of peace, trouble in place of God's presence. And that's what happened to Saul. Yes, he was still king for a few years later, but he was a king without the anointing. He was a king that was tormented by evil. And because he did not obey God, he did not follow God's command, he did not walk, he rejected God. So God took the anointing off of him. Don't let that happen to you. Amen? Do what God says to do. Let's keep the anointing fresh. Let's keep it vibrant. Let's keep it active. Let's feed the anointing faith. You know the the anointing feeds on faith. Right? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. So we've got to keep feeding our faith, right? When we keep feeding our faith, we keep the anointing strong. Amen? Because the anointing is our tool. It it's helps us. It helps us do what we need to do. Be who we need to be. Amen? Say, I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed just like Jesus was anointed. His strength comes with the anointing. His power comes with the anointing. I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we give you thanks and praise this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your mighty touch and your power and your goodness and your grace. You know, I just believe that God wants to fill you today. We sang the song, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And he's If there's an empty void in your heart, God wants to fill it. He wants to touch it. He wants to help you overcome it in the name of Jesus. God wants you filled today. If that describes you, I want you to come and be filled today in the name of Jesus. His filling is here. It's free. It's ready for you. It'll fill the void. It'll fill you to your overflow. It'll fill the gap in the name of Jesus. Oh, we need the Lord in our lives. We need His strength and His power and His goodness and His grace. If you're watching online this morning, I want to pray for you. Just stretch forth your hand and say, Lord, I receive of your anointing. I thank you for filling me up in the name of Jesus. I believe that you are the filler. You are the satisfier of good things. I come, Lord. And I receive of your grace. I receive from your hand. I receive from your word. 
in the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you a moment. You know how full you need to be, and you know where you are. This is an opportunity to bridge that gap. You don't have to be embarrassed. All people know is that you're coming to be filled. Amen? Being filled is a good thing. God wants you full today. God brought you here so that he can fill you today. So that he can touch you today. But you need to come. You need to express your faith. You need to come and receive this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, our God is a filler of good things. He's a filler of good things. Father, I thank you right now that this morning your anointing is filling her with fresh oil, a fresh rejuvenation of strength and vitality in her body, in her mind. Lord, you're turning things around. Fill her with gladness and joy of the Holy Ghost. Lord, anoint her hand with oil and let her cup overflow right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, just let it flow right now. Thank you, Lord, for filling her up in the goodness all on me. And you have to turn to the right the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And Fall 
God bless you.